Welcome to History 21, the podcast, a production of the Anoka County Historical Society, sharing the stories and audio journeys from our county's past and present. Hello, Rebecca. Hey, Sarah. How are you doing? I'm all right. We're prepping for more snow. Yes, I have the shovel all uh, accessible at the museum, so we are good to go. Big shout out to the city of Anoka for helping us clean the sidewalks and keeping the parking lot clear. We appreciate you very much. Yes, it makes the walk into the building so much easier. So what else is on the agenda here? Uh, We have a podcast coming out. No way. (laughs) Right. What is this episode about, Rebecca? This episode is about our dear friend, Jim Kordiak, who graciously sat down with us after he decided not to run anymore and did an interview just before he retired to sunny Southern America. And uh, it was a super fun interview to do for me because, you know, you put a quarter in Jim and he just, just keeps talking. So it was really fun to just let him go and hear what he had to say. Jim Kordiak was County commissioner from the Fridley Columbia Heights area for 32 years. And he was also a, our liaison to the county board as well. He sat in on board meetings and things. So we had a very uh, close relationship with him. We really did. And he was responsible for, you know, connecting us with plumbers and whatnot because he had rental properties. So he always knew the cool people. And this oral history was is such a fun time capsule because you sat down with him literal days after the election where Mandy Meisner was elected to fill his seat. You can hear in his voice that he really was second guessing himself about not running again. He's like, no, I have until January. Don't take this away from me. (laughs) It was such a big part of his life. And let's hear him talk about it. Sounds great. We'll catch you on the flip side. Today is November 7th, 2018, and we are at the Anoka County Historical Society. I am Rebecca Ebnett Mavenkamp, and I am interviewing Jim Kordiak. So welcome to the interview, Jim. I appreciate your time. Good morning. So we have an interesting opportunity to sit down together the day after an election that you officially handed over the baton of your seat on the county board. Um, so just... How's that feel waking up this morning? Well, let me say, first of all, that you don't officially hand over the baton until January 8th. (laughs) But it certainly was a transition yesterday uh, because you understand that uh, the clock is ticking. In county government, of course, you don't really retire as county commissioner. Many people kind of think, what are you still doing here? Kind of question, but you just don't run again, and I did run again. I've done it nine times in my career, and I uh, thoroughly enjoyed every single campaign and remember each of them almost like my first, but been a fine run. There's a lot of people that would agree with you. If we back up a little bit, and uh, I'm going to dig into your family legacy a little so we have some background to talk about uh, how you got here. Well, Albert Kordiak is my father, and he's uh, 90 years old right now. Mildred Millie is my mother. And you've lived in the Columbia Heights Fridley District all your born days? 
Yeah, I was born in Fridley. We were born in a, the milk house uh, behind Uncle George's farmhouse in Fridley, right, right on the edge of Moore Lake, if you know where that is, okay. on Highway 65. He had a farmhouse there, he had a milk house in the back of it, you know where an old style milk house might be. Mom and Dad lived in a milk house. They had uh, electricity in there, was the good news. I think it was one cord hanging from the ceiling with a light bulb. And we need to plug in the toaster or whatever, they plug the thing in the cord and it was hanging there. <laughs> I lived there for about a year and a half or so until my brother Steve was born. And then we moved to Columbia Heights, above a store and commercial complex. And I lived there for a number of years and moved a couple more times. Collectively in my life, I lived in Fridley. Then I lived in Columbia Heights. Then I moved to Fridley. Then I moved to Heights. And then I moved to Fridley. <laughs> so I really haven't left either of those two communities, been coming back and forth some. Which address do you feel is the most memorable, the most iconic in your childhood? Probably when I lived on 44th Avenue in Columbia Heights, off of Central Avenue. It was my adolescence, uh, teenage years, and uh, I remember so many people and neighbors and things. So you have a little recollection of those things. You remember that time in history. And, and it was in, in grade school and high school and so on. And uh, they were kind of my early, early days, but they were fun days. Uh, we had a lot of open space, in high, even in Heights back then. So uh, mom would pretty much let us out of the house after breakfast and we'd come back for dinner. Uh, we dug, dug holes in the ground and made little forts in the trees and had apple cores and floated rafts in two different swampland areas. My cousins lived just a block away. They had like nine or ten kids. Just so they're just a short distance through the fields on the other side. Uh, through John Behan's house was an old pig farmer in Columbia Heights area. And uh, so it was a very fun time. The mom raised the kids, dad was gone and working a lot. Uh, she ran a tough household. There were five of us ultimately, but childhood was fun. Back at Conception Grade School, where I went to grade school, was a, was a fine event. I went on to De La Salle High School. De La Salle is a Catholic, um, at, at the time, boys' school in the Minneapolis area. Uh, no, no, Ramsey Community College for a couple of years, University of Minnesota for a couple of years. I remember my college years well, I'm glad they're behind me. I wouldn't want to repeat tests and grades and studying and whatever you have to do to get through that routine. Uh, I mean, I went on to, uh, along the way, I worked at a local hardware store, Coast to Coast Hardware Store. It was over on uh, 40th and Central, and the Weldon's owned the hardware store, Adeline and her two sons. And I worked collectively for 14 years. Anytime I was free, they said, come on in. So they're a great place to work. And, you were working with people, and I did everything from hauling sack reed to cutting pipe and uh, an endless variety of things. You got the whole hardware store. Well, I love the smell of the hardware store yet today. I don't care where I go, I love it. It's the hardware store. But you're helping people with nuts and screws and bolts and things that they think they want to do, but they don't know what to do. And you kind of make connections and help them with stuff. And uh, Where did you learn your handyman skills? The what thing skill? The handyman skills. Well, I can't say it was a handyman. If I did, it was coast-to-coast -coast hardware store, really. Because you're working with guns, you're working with electricity, you're helping people with lumber stuff, and you're selling appliances, and you're, I mean, you're, you're putting bicycles to together. I'm sorry. I, we should have started with that. <laughs> we'll take it as a statement of your coming life and uh, yeah, modern that's, technology. That's Florida calling. <laughs>
What kind of a child were you? Were you the, the one that pulled the pigtails into the ink wells, or were you the, uh, the one that offered to carry the books? I was the oldest of five, uh, uh, and I guess you come, you know, certain responsibilities come along with that, helping to raise your kid, your, your, your brother and sister somewhat. But I'd say that I was always a very responsible kid. I never got in any real trouble. Probably one of the worst things I ever did in my life was that in kindergarten, I snapped my sleeping towel at that, that delay in some girl's face, I think, or kid's face, and hurt her eye a little, 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 little bit. But that's probably the most traumatic thing I ever have done. So for the most part, I was a pretty, a pretty uh, amicable child. So how different is it for you now to drive through what you know today as Columbia Heights and Fridley in comparison? Of course, I've been in Columbia Heights all my life, Fridley all my life. Uh, Columbia Heights, generally speaking, is an older community. It's probably collectively, I mean, the norm of the household is probably there is about 60 to 80 years old, it's probably a common standard. Fridley is a much newer community by about 20, 30 years or so. So the two of them kind of had, had different lives. Uh, really, back in the day, there were really two cities in Anoka County. Uh, there was Columbia Heights and there was Anoka. And there was corn in between. There wasn't a lot in between because they really were the two early, well-established communities in the county. Uh, Noka, of course, had been more robust and had a lot more going on for economy thing. Columbia Heights was more working class. Worked in, in, in and out of Minneapolis and foundries and those kinds of things, but but it's uh, it's Columbia Heights in many ways. Many of the households that were there 65 years ago are still there today. Uh, I get some flack sometimes from people about being an old community and falling apart and old people and, the, and those kinds. But really, if you drive up and down any of the streets in Columbia Heights, which I've done 10,000 times, they look like they did 30 years ago. People mow their lawn and take care of their shrubbery and take, raise their roses and those kind of things. And although culturally, then the community, of course, Columbia Heights has changed more than more so than, than for the summer, because obviously we have a lower private value of homes. People are able to easily afford them. Uh, of course, with the whole population influx of different kind of cultures today, uh, they find the way to Columbia Heights pretty ably. So it's much more uh, diverse community today than it was. Fridley, of course, is a newer community, and uh, you know, I was commenting, well, I was commenting, I was commenting the other day that, you know, I've been door knocking Fridley for 30 years. Of course, Fridley is 45 years old, but I don't know, still the same world, I guess. Many would question your commitment to the shoe leather that you've left on the streets, and, and what motivated you to consistently, year after year, go door knocking like it might, you know, when I was about 18 years old, uh, of course, back then I joined the Junior Chamber of Commerce, the JCs, back in those days. You had to be 18. I was sworn in on my 18th birthday. The JCs led me to, to knowing my, my neighbors and my residents. They uh, got involved in being familiar with my local government and politics and who's who and what's going on in my community. The JC organization ran many, many different kind of community projects. I might remember getting stencils and going up and down people in front of people's houses and on their curb. We, 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 we put yellow paint, we put their house number. We give them Operation ID stuff for protecting their valuables and those kind of things, and city brochures, and we just go house to house to house to house to house, and they'll give us a few dollars and think it's for a service, and off we go to the next house. 
But it really was about community involvement, community engagement. The, the reason you did that was to make sure the police and fire knew where, where, where to go when there was an emergency. You're just supporting your community. And I guess it just never really stopped. I, uh, I, I don't know how that happened exactly. Uh, I never thought about being county commissioner, if we're going to talk about that. But uh, somehow that just happened along the way. Dad and I didn't plot. People claim we, we did, and they have their own stories of how that worked. But I never really thought about being county I didn't think about being county commissioner until I got a phone call one day. It was an election year. Dad had made a determination along his way that he decided not to run. He didn't file for office. Time filings came and started. Uh, on the very first day of filing, another person came in and filed for a seat that Dad might have otherwise filed for. His receipt that he was going to retire from. He hadn't really announced he was retiring, he just wasn't going to file. He had to call me up in Brainerd, up in, uh, up in this one. And I don't know how he found me. I really, I don't to this day, I don't know how he found me. But I was at the campground, in a resort, back to payphone days. He must have called the owners, said, Jim, you gotta get your butt down here. It's time to file for county commissioner. My Bob O'Donnell just did, and off we go. That really was the start of my career. I know how, I, we didn't plan this, we didn't lay it out. Dad hadn't run a campaign. He was a county commissioner for 32 years. And nobody ever ran against him. I mean, he didn't know much about campaigning, I have to tell you. I mean, back in those days, he used to pile a couple big sites to a telephone pole, this commenting the other day, and that's what, a, what, what your campaign was. You know, 30 years later, they have changed a little bit in their effort and, 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 and technique. But uh, I don't know, one thing led to another, and Dad knew so many, many people that uh, after I came back and I filed, I'd get the suit, came to the courthouse, and paid my 35 bucks or whatever, whatever the case was, and that was the start of my, of my campaign. Back in that day, Dad knew many, many people. He gave me, a, he gave me page after page after page of legal-sized names and addresses and numbers of people. He must have given me, I mean, 50 name, names of people who are all well-known and influential in their church, and in their community, uh, in their businesses, and so on. I began a, the earliest part of my campaign. I spent a month or better just visiting person to person to person. It got to a point where someone was told me, I heard you were coming. You know, <laughs> they just knew I was walking, I the walk of the walk. But uh, they, uh, and then you do the rest of the campaign, door knocking, brochures, and so on and so on. There, there's a gap. I, I meant to mention earlier among the variety of things I did in my young life, I became a volunteer probation officer. I don't quite know why, and I'm sure I must have had some vision back in my early college days of, of moving in social work, uh, probation, something or other. So I became a volunteer probation officer. I did that for a number of years. I, every single kid was different. I worked with hundreds of kids over the years. I mean, I would tell people often that I jumped out of bed every single day for 14 years just to start a new day. Hmm. Did you get to develop relationships with the kids then? Clearly, I mean, I, I, I bump into these, these kids all over the place. I mean, there's no doubt that wherever I might go, they used to track me down and say, and say hi. So I think that, that, that way. after 14 years of probation, uh, I think we talked about, we filled in a little piece earlier about getting a call and finding a commissioner. And next thing you know, uh, Dick Fritzke was my boss. He ran the corrections department. And the next day, I'm his boss. So there is justice in this world. <laughs> <I guess. laughs>
But uh, what was it like walking into the the boardroom for the first time? I don't know that I ever really thought about that. I remember being sworn in by Judge Gibbs back in those days. He was a well-recognized judge and the one in our community in southern Anoka County. I was a young man. I, it was too long ago. I couldn't forget how it felt at that at that time. But uh, because of Dad's role in county government, Dad, you know, of course, had been uh, on the board for 32 years. He actually was chairman of the Anoka County Board for 16 of those years. Half of his career, he would ran. He was our chair of Anoka County government. Uh, he, he, he was sought after by many. He would recognize if you wanted to get something done in Anoka County, you better go find El Corniac. We can talk about his career, he had a fine, fine career. But uh, if we go back, go back to my case, uh, maybe because of his involvement, I was quickly well positioned in, in county government in terms of committees and my role there. And so I, I started out with a um, in a good position, ultimately. Back in all of my years, I've always enjoyed every single board I've ever worked with. They're all different, they're all interesting. I think I did the math the other day, I think I've worked with 18 different county commissioners in my career, hmm. which is a lot. I mean, go back to the early days of Bob Berman and Natalie Haas, and, and uh, I, mean, I keep going, but uh, always interesting people uh, working together to support Anoka County's infrastructure and constituents. In every single board, you can write about them, however people might do, might choose to do, but really we have one responsibility, that to take care of you and your business in this county and make sure it runs off and operates cost-effectively and efficiently and provide for you the services that you need. That's a rather difficult thing to do. I mean, we have 17 departments in county government at least, I lose track, and we are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of things. And the common ones people might think of are libraries and license bureaus, the county attorney's office, the court system, the public safety, the sheriff activity, our highway infrastructure, which is 138 miles of the county highway, and uh, human services, which is really is cradle to, to, to the grave. We help bring people into the world, and we help bury them. Cradle to grave, and everything between of every kind of human service that you ever can imagine from working with disabled youth and families to adults and veterans, and on and on and on. There's just so many things that human services done. It's half the county government terms of $350 million budget uh, in our 2000 staff. Half our staff, half our budget, half our delivery of services is in the human services system. So we are many, many things there. How do you maintain your flexibility through all of that change? You know, I don't think of myself, I, I, I don't know in some measure why I'm sitting here, because I don't think of myself as a notable character. I mean, I'm just a pretty average guy, there's nothing remarkable about, 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 about me. Uh, but I guess maybe it's important that you have, that you're good to people, that you take care of and prevent your business. You look out for the public interest, and you have a common common sense about you. You have to be able to work with the county, the county board. You have to meet to work work toward common outcomes, and that is many many things. Because every single year, every single issue, every single problem it comes to you differently, and takes a different outcome and different approach. I guess you kind of have to have some good common sense. Seek advice. You know, the common government, most government, works pretty slowly. I mean, it takes us years to get some things done. But there's reason for that sometimes. 
because better decisions come from careful consideration, quite frankly. I mean, you know, you might come up with a quick idea, and that's a great idea, but all of a sudden, say, what about this? What about that? How will that affect them? And suddenly, in the course of time, you come up with a, a better approach to that. You can't think short term, you've got to think long term. We make decisions sometimes that people don't like, that they're hard to accept, but we make decisions in the best interest of the general public. I remember so well my first campaign back in 1985. I remember nearly where every lawn sign sat in somebody's yard, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. I almost do. Uh, but I ran every single campaign the very same way. I've run nine times. I mean, I never sat on my, on my laurels. Every single campaign, I had brochures, I did door knocking, I had lawn signs, I called and talked to people. I mean, I, getting out in front of the public was an important thing during election years. Mm -hmm. I took another step. In my first campaign, I showed up at the door in Innsbruck, which is kind of a mm, fancy neighborhood in Columbia Heights. And somebody came to the door and I said, hi, I'm Jim Cordiac, running for county career. But the only time you guys ever show up is when you're running for office, boom, with this great big double door slammed in my face. And I said right there, I'm not going to be that guy. I've been door knocking for 28 years, every single year, every single summer, June, July, and August, at least a, a day a week. I've covered my district three or four times over, over the years because I'm just always out there. And I'm out there in a year when no one's running for anything. It's really fun to talk to people when 16 other people haven't been at the door in the last week or two. You know, I mean, I'm just walking around saying hi to you. Well, how can I help you? What do you need? Tell me about the tree net next door or whatever you want to talk about. But you are, you're able to build relationships and make connections. I've had more people over the years say you were at, at, at my door. I love hearing that because I was at their door. I'm there to talk to them. Walked around the paper every time I went out, came back with notes of people, had questions and comments. So what about the stop sign? What about the curb bump? What about the, you know, I, I, I go back and bring, I always call them back and talk to them about whatever the issue was. Couldn't solve them all, but I always responded. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know that people would never forget that because they never call unless they have an issue of some kind or nothing. Or nothing. People never call them, for the most part, and say thanks for the fine work you're doing. Mm -hmm. They always have something going on with them, but uh, that's why you're there. You're there to take care of those kind of things, big and little. And I was always happy, happy to do that. I knew that every time I did, they would never forget what I did for them. Just wouldn't forget. They don't call me unless they, they need me. And whether I solve the problem or not, they all know I went to bat for them. So I have been asking a few people around, and inquiring minds want to know, I've got a couple questions that people would like me to ask. I was wondering if you felt like you ought to, or if you, uh, you know, following in Dad's footsteps, you know, drawn into the position. So you did kind of touch on that earlier. Yeah, you know, I, no, I will just comment again. Dad and I never, never plotted a campaign for me to be, me, be, be commissioner. I successfully made, made, made that transition. It's always worked my father, particularly in the early, early days that I didn't run to them, hit him and ask him for his advice. I just never really did. I mean, I may have known he did, he did for, for 30 years. I most notably heard stories from him as I, my childhood about things he was doing in common government. But I guess I wasn't really, I'm not El Cordiac. We're a different, cut from a different cloth, more or less. And uh, Dad, Dad was hurt often, not, not enough times I didn't bring things to him, come and ask advice, and ask for his counsel, and ask for his guidance. 
I don't know, maybe I just felt like, like I was strong enough to not require that, but I rarely did. I don't know if I ever really went back to Dad and said, Dad, what should I be doing about X, Y, Z? But, uh, so no, we didn't really uh, meld our, our careers. I, I, I will say that, as I think of my dad's career though, despite the fact that I didn't go back to him, he had a remarkable career. I'll just say briefly, my Al Cordiac was a giant in Milka County as far as I'm concerned. I don't consider my role in county government as, as remarkable as his. His was remarkable. Different era, different time, different day. I mean, heck, I haven't been the chairman of the county board once. I've never chosen to. I've had a couple opportunities to do it, but I've stepped away from that. Uh, I figured better for you than for me. Uh, meanwhile, you know, of course, I was a county commissioner. I also ran, ran an active income tax office in Columbia. So we've had hundreds. I mean, at any point in time, we've had between 600 and 1,000 customers uh, coming to our tax office. And so it's a very, very, very busy time throughout the year. I've also actively done property management. I mean, I've managed houses and duplexes and fourplexes apartment complexes and warehouse complexes and shopping centers and I forget what else I've done collectively throughout the years. So really I'm kind of running all three of those things at the same time. And uh, my life has always been very busy and very robust in every single one of those roles. But the taxes, property man, management, uh, were busy work, required a lot of time and energy, but always were just interesting. Speaking but, of team efforts, we would be remiss if we didn't mention your support network that's gotten you through all of life. I have a campaign crew I think of. They helped get me elected many times. Um, it's the same, pe the same people over 32 years have been working my campaign from day one. Every single one of my, pe my people, my campaign came out of the, the JC organization. We were all JCs together. Still today, I'm in Super Bowl together, we go camping together, we go, we're just planning an ice fishing trip together. And now they're out of a job. Right, now, right? now we're out of a job. Well, I'm not out of a job yet. Uh, I was at a gathering, uh, my, my replacement, Danny Meisner, successfully run, ran, won her effort to be county commissioner. She was commenting the state that she's now, now, now the county, county commissioner. I want to go up and remind her that, no, you're not the county commissioner. You're not county commissioner until January 8th, so <laughs> don't take that away from me. <laughs> well, I did feel a little bit unelected after the results, uh -huh. because I kind of made it official that uh, the clock is ticking. Yep, yep. Clock is ticking. It's hard to watch, actually. I've got my entire lifetime invested in this, 50 years of that involved in my community. I can't imagine not doing what I'm doing. I'd like to think I could do it forever, but I know I can. The other day I walked down to our finance department and came to the front desk and I was looking for a finance director talking about a couple of things. And the young lady, lady, lady basic says, how can I help you? Who are you? <laughs> well, all the girls around her kind of laughed and chuckled and Jim Cardiac. So the next day I go to the HR office. Walk in the front door looking for Candace, I think it was, and young girl by the counter says, I can help you, who are you? <laughs> I knew then it was time to quit. <laughs> now remarkably, my transition will lead me to Vero Beach, Florida. Mm -hmm. Atlantic side, middle state, warm and sunny every day. It's always 80 and the beaches are always open. And oddly enough, I'm exactly there I'm doing here. You 
just trust me. I mean, I was down there for two weeks recently. And while down there, I joined the Chamber of Commerce. I joined my local church. I got a Florida driver's driver's license. I joined the Lions Club. I'll probably get on my association board. I joined the In Keep Indian River Beautiful Recycling Board. I'm on their, on their board, and I'm not done. So, you know, I will be, I will be leaving the house regularly to go to my next meeting, whatever kind, just to benefit and support my community. And I got a lot of energy left to me yet, so I will be able to do that. I just won't go fishing and golfing a lot. Yeah, we'll look for the updates. <laughs> we will see. Yeah. I'd say they're running for something. I, mean, I, get, I get accused of that, but I do have the, 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 the folks in Portnoy still have a couple of lawn signs pinned up in, in my garage. So <laughs> kind of remind them I could maybe someday. <laughs> Jim, thank you so much for your time doing this interview. I really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate the opportunity. Um, uh, I uh, I have had a long career. I mean, I have seen a lot. I mean, forty six years of county government. I, you know, it's been a remarkable time, and county government has changed an awful lot. I couldn't really restate what it was like for 46 years ago and what it is like today. It's a growing world out there around the county government, and uh, it takes responsible people to make constructive decisions, but we all bring something different to the, the table, and we're all looking for what's in your best interest in, in the end, and I truly enjoy that, and love working with you, love working with my constituents, Love supporting the donor Welcome. Read all about it in the Noka County Library Minute. Hello, I'm Lydia Potoff, an adult services librarian at Anoka County Library, and this is your Library Minute. First up, we have You're More Powerful Than You Think, a citizen guide to making change happen by Eric Liu. Using examples from the left and the right, past and present, Lou reveals the core laws of power. He shows that all of us can generate power. And then step-by-step, step, he shows us how. The strategies of reform and revolution he lays out will help every reader make sense of our world today. Next up, we have Politics is for Power, How to Move Beyond Political Hobbyism, Take Action, and Make Changes by Aiton Hirsch. Pioneering data analyst Aiton Hirsch shows us a way toward more effective political participation. Aided by political theory, history, cutting edge social science, as well as remarkable stories of ordinary citizens who got off their couches and took political power seriously. This book shows us how to channel our energy away from political hobbyism and toward empowering our values. Next, we have Somebody's Gotta Do It. Why Cursing at the News Won't Save the Nation, But Your Name on a Local Ballot Can by Adrian Martini. A humorous and instructive memoir about a progressive woman who runs for very small town elected office in a red county and wins and then realizes the critical importance of the job. It turns out local office matters a lot. Next, Columbia Heights Bootstrap Town, A Social History by Irene Parsons. A thorough history of the city of Columbia Heights with a wealth of names, dates, locations, and photographs. Of particular note to listeners might be chapter 13, in which we learn that Al Kordiak, Jim Kordiak's father, pioneered the Anoka County Park System. Happy reading. Get those library cards and reserve your copy today. Direct links to these books and more can be found in the episode show notes at anokacountyhistory.org.
It's kind of strange hearing yourself do an interview multiple years down the road. And how much you remember or don't remember about what past you got up to. Well, and personally, during that interview, all of a sudden my phone went off as well. And it was a lesson that even if you put your phone on uh, mute, your mother can call you at any time because you've put her on the emergency contact list. (laughs) Ah, technology. The neat thing about sitting down with Jim is that last year we also had a podcast with his dad, Al. That's kind of a, a twofer. We thought it would be fitting since we ended last year's season with an oral history from Al Kordiak. We're ending this year with an oral history from Jim Kordiak. So now we just need to find more Kordiaks to turn this into like an annual event, right? Or just, it's a county commissioner thing. Oh, there's an idea. If you want to listen to the full interview with Jim, because it definitely went longer, uh, we'll have that available on the vault. You can also look back at last year's episode with Al Kordiak in the podcast history. So check that one out too. And otherwise, folks, this is it for 2022. Have a fantastic holiday season. And we will be back in January with our third season of the podcast. Oh, my goodness. Season three. Three is my lucky number. It is. It is. Well, well, we'll see you later. (laughs) Bye, everyone. If you have a question, want to visit our show notes page for each episode, or would like to share your own story, go to anokacountyhistory.org. Help History 21, the podcast, reach more ears by subscribing and reviewing on your podcast provider. We're all over social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for all those who scroll by. And for our Vault members, you can find special access to podcast extras as well as the latest digital resources at History 21 The Vault, located on our website. Remember, the present is the past of the future.